We'll discover which one of us can empty the building quickest. <laughs> it's one of the most requested scripture passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. I've been asked to include it in the middle of weddings. I've been asked to use it as a part of funerals and every other kind of event in between that you can imagine. In times of trouble, people turn to it for hope and strength. Even though it was written thousands of years ago, the expressions, the heart, the faith of that man whose daily life was so much different from our own still continues to strike a chord in people's hearts today. It's the 23rd Psalm. We read it together this morning. And beginning this morning and over about the next six weeks, we're going to be walking together through what the Bible has to tell us through the 23rd Psalm. It truly is a tremendous expression of faith in the Lord and what the Lord can do with us. We're going to look at what it means to say, I belong to a shepherd God. Now, I'm not planning on preaching a series of sweet devotional messages to you. You know those kind where you can go home and say, don't you just feel good? Didn't it just make you feel so good to hear those, songs, uh, those messages about the 23rd Psalm? Instead, what I want us to do is take this, this psalm apart. We're going to look at how it truly applies to your life and my life and what it says about who God is and who you are and what God does in the lives of people who honestly, with all their hearts, trust him. And I'm looking forward to us walking through the 23rd Psalm together. But really, before we can begin that journey, we need to begin at the very beginning with a great expression of faith that David gives to us as he enters into this psalm. And this is what he says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. What does it mean when you can say with great confidence, the Lord is my shepherd? Well, I think there are four things that you need to grasp hold of. Four basic realities that the Bible is telling us about as we enter in the 23rd Psalm. And so the realities that we're going to talk about together today are really going to be foundational to everything we do for the next six weeks. And then I look forward to sharing with you what it means to be able to say with confidence and faith, the Lord is my shepherd. It begins with a very basic reality, and it's simply this. If the Lord is my shepherd, then I am a sheep. I'm a sheep. I've got to face it. That's who I am. I don't know anybody who says sheephood is the primary goal of their life. Well, except maybe Chris Shepherd, among us all. But the rest of us never say, what do you want to do with your life? Who do you want to be? What do you want to accomplish? Well, I'll tell you what I want to do. I just want to be a sheep. I don't know anybody who has ever said, I'm just trying to get in touch with my inner sheep. I don't know anybody who just wants to be a sheep. I don't know anybody who wants the epitaph of their life after it's said and gone to, to simply say, nothing but a sheep. We don't really want to be described in that way. If I ask you today, what is the goal of your life? I bet you would not say to me, I just want to be a sheep. There's nothing more important to me than to be a sheep. I just want people to look at me and think, there goes a sheep. 
Of all of the images in the Bible that God uses to describe his people, I don't think any of us are drawn to that idea of being a sheep. In fact, I think we would rather identify with Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What do you want to be? I want to be an eagle. I want to be those that soar high above the world. I want to be those who are strong and able to take care of themselves. I want people to think of me as an eagle for God. That's what people think. But the Bible says this. Long before I can hope to be an eagle, I have to accept the truth. I am a sheep. I am an earthbound, grass-eating, wool-growing, not very exciting sheep. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself how often the Lord calls us his sheep in the Bible? It's one of those images that goes from beginning to end. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's an image that's used by the prophets. It's an image that's referred to by the apostles. And more than anything, Jesus calls us his sheep. He refers to us as his flock. He calls himself the good shepherd. That image of what it means to be a sheep seems to saturate the Bible. Why do you think it is that God chose that image to use more than anything else? Well, I'm pretty sure I know. It's probably because we're just so soft and cuddly that you can't help but love us. So God just calls us a sheep. No, that doesn't work. Maybe it's because sheep always look at the shepherd with such trusting eyes. I don't think that works. Maybe it's because a sheep is always so willing to follow everywhere the shepherd goes. That doesn't work with me either. So, what does God mean when he calls us his sheep? Well, I think he's referring to us the way he would refer to if he were talking about a real sheep. An honest to goodness sheep. A sheep that lives out its sheephood every day of its life. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, let me tell you some things you need to remember about sheep. One of the things you need to know is this. Sheep are followers. Sheep like to run with the flock. They get frightened when they stand out from the crowd. The truth is, no sheep ever wants to be the one that's out front. The sheep's more comfortable if it can be in the middle of the mob, if it can kind of just kind of disappear into the flock. And so wherever the flock leads, that's where the sheep is willing to go because sheep are followers. Sheep sometimes don't think about where they're going. They don't think about why they're going there. They just know if that's where the crowd is going, that's where I'm going too. The problem with that is, and if the first sheep runs off a cliff, guess where the rest of them are headed? And the truth is, too many times, we're exactly like the sheep. We like to follow the crowd. We don't want to stand out from the group. If there's anything that makes us really uncomfortable, it is for somebody to point us out. Even worse, if they point us out and criticize us because we're not like everybody else. And we have to be careful because we're sheep. We're sheep. 
And we want to get lost in the mob. But that's not all. Sheep are also dependent. You know, of all the animals in the world, the one that nobody can understand is a sheep. The truth is, they say, you know, evolution should have done away with sheep a long time ago because they are among the most helpless and dependent creatures on the face of the earth. They have uh, no natural means to protect themselves. They have hooves. They don't have claws. They don't have fangs. They just have teeth that will chew cud. They're open prey for predators. They are defenseless. The truth is, when you look at a flock of sheep, you are looking at some of the most helpless creatures on the face of the earth. They can't defend themselves. They can't protect themselves. If a predator comes to attack them, they can't even run away very fast. All they can do is be a sheep. And sheep are dependent upon the shepherd. It's not just the shepherd's job to provide for them. It's not just the shepherd's job to look after them. The shepherd has to protect the sheep or the sheep are doomed. They're just dependent creatures. The third thing I see is this. And sheep tend to wander away. When you do find a sheep out by himself or by herself, they don't mean to become separated from the flock or from the shepherd. But this is what happens. That sheep will find a patch of really good grass. I mean green and flavorful and attractive. And they'll just begin to eat that grass and eat that grass and their focus is on nothing but the grass and before long they look up and what they discover is I've left the flock and I've left the shepherd far far behind what happens a sheep becomes so intent on satisfying its appetite that nothing else matters all that sheep can see is what I want when I want it and when I want it is right now And before long, they wander away from where they know they belong, where they know that safety can be found. And believe it or not, sheep are hard-headed creatures. Once they make up their minds, they are hard to stop. A sheep may decide a fence post is a threat, and he'll bang his head against that post until he bleeds. And if the shepherd comes and pulls him away from that fence post, the first thing he wants to do is go back and begin to butt his head yet again. You know why? Because sheep are stubborn. They are hard-headed. They think they know what they want. They think they know what they need. And they'll just keep going after it, even if you prove to them all you're doing is hurting yourself. Sheep are stubborn. Sheep are helpless. Sheep are not very bright. In other words, sheep can be a lot like people. They act a lot like we do. And their desire to be part of the mob and their uh, need to be dependent upon somebody else and their proneness to wander away and their hard-headedness, people and sheep are an awful lot alike. I like the way Mark Tabb expressed it one time. This is what he said. I don't know what offends me more. The fact that God calls me a sheep or the knowledge that when he does, he is exactly right. Maybe the truth is I'm a lot less like the eagle that Isaiah described and a lot more like Isaiah's description of a sheep. You remember what Isaiah said? He said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. 
I have to admit it. There's no way around it. I am a sheep. You know, the only thing that makes me feel better when I think about myself as a sheep, and so are you. We are sheep. Well, if that's a reality, then there's a second one that's just really important. If I'm a sheep, then I need a shepherd. I need a shepherd. What is it about people that makes it so hard for us to admit that we need help? You could walk into my kitchen today and you might find me up underneath the sink with water spraying everywhere. Niagara Falls is coming out from under my sink. Meanwhile, the food I allowed to burn on the stove has just caught fire and flames are about to reach the cabinets. About that same time, I've wrapped an old electrical cord around my leg and the water is just about to reach the outlet. And you'll come into the room and you'll look at me, water flying everywhere, sparks beginning to develop, fire flaming up. And you'll say to me, how can I help you? What do you think I'm going to say? I got it. That's exactly right, John. I got it. No problems. I've got everything under control. I'm about to burn the house down. I'm going to drown until I electrocute myself. But don't worry about it. I got it. There is something deep inside of all of us that wants to believe we can handle everything by ourselves. That's just built into our human nature. I've got it. I don't need your help. I don't want your help. I may be about to destroy myself, but I will do it without your help. But here's the truth. I don't have it. And you don't have it. Nobody has it. We all need a shepherd. Every single one of us. Now and then you'll have hear of someone being described as a self-made woman, a self-made man. I have done it all for myself, by myself. You know how many of those people really exist? Zero, absolutely zero. Not one of us can do it all by ourselves. I was reading a story just the other day about a surgeon back in the 19th century who wanted to uh, prove to himself and to the people around him that you could use local anesthesia to perform surgery on somebody. That you didn't have to put them all the way to sleep. And especially in those times when it might be really dangerous to do that. That you could just kind of deaden one area of the body. And that would be fine. And he wanted to prove it. And you know what he did? He took a person and he gave them local anesthesia. Just one part of the body. And then he opened that person up. And he removed their appendix. And he sewed them up again. Here's the amazing thing. And he did it to himself. To prove his point, he said, I will perform surgery on myself. You know, there's part of me that thinks, that is amazing. That is incredible. But there's another part of myself that thinks, you idiot. Why would you do that? You don't have to do it all by yourself. 
And we need to remember that. We need a shepherd. Here's a spiritual principle you can hold on to. The depth of your walk with Jesus will always depend upon your desperation for his active lordship in your life. It will always depend upon how desperate you are for Jesus Christ to be your shepherd. If you consider Christ a convenience, your faith will never be anything but superficial. If you think you can add a little Jesus here and a little Jesus there, you're never going to be very much in your Christian walk. The truth is, you have to be desperate for a shepherd. For him to do the things he wants to do in you and through you and for you. David had no illusions when he wrote the 23rd Psalm. You know, it's kind of funny, isn't it, that we've taken the 23rd Psalm and made it such a sweet, harmless, helpless kind of a psalm when you think about the man who wrote this. You see, David understood what life was all about. He'd been through those seasons in his life when he was everybody's hero. He'd also been through those seasons of life when he was an outlaw on the run for his life. He understood what it was like to be on the top. He understood what it was like to be on the bottom. He had faced lions and bears, armies and giants. He had seen life in every dimension. And he recognized sometimes it's going to be an easy thing, but often it's going to be really, really hard. And in the midst of it all, he wrote, The Lord is my shepherd. He knew he needed a shepherd. And so do we. We need someone bigger than anything we will face. We need someone who's in control. We need someone we can trust. We need a shepherd. Yes, there are those times when we go through life thinking, I can handle it, whatever comes my way. But we've also been through those experiences when we recognize If God's not there, then I'm lost. If God's not there, then I don't have anywhere to turn. I shared a little earlier on that original 9-11 what happened as I heard about the first plane hitting the trade centers as I was going to my destination and heard about the second one coming back from my destination. And I remember what it felt like to realize This was deliberate. This was not a freak accident. This is an attack. This is terrorism visiting our nation. And I remember how sick I felt inside. And how desperate to know that God was there. And I will always remember what I did. At that time, the church that I was serving, we were right at the end of the main street of town. And I went back to the church and without a word, and this was long before social media and without making telephone calls or anything, I just went to the church and I opened the front doors of the church and just left them wide open. Within an hour, the church was full of people. Over the next few weeks, as we continued to leave those doors open, people would come and go at all times of the day. Because there was this huge sense of knowing that we needed the Lord. And nobody else was going to be sufficient. 
Sometimes life will treat you in such a way that you know you need a shepherd. Sometimes it may be something huge that happens to all of us. Often it's going to be a crisis that comes to your life and it affects just you alone or just a few people around you. But you'll come to that point of recognizing if I try to handle this alone, I'm going to fall. I've got to have help. I need a shepherd. The first reality, I am a sheep. The second reality, I need a shepherd. Here's the third reality. And Jesus is the only shepherd. One of the primary ways God describes his relationship with Israel is as a shepherd. When Jesus described himself as the good shepherd, that was the way he wanted them to think about him. If we are his sheep, then he is committed to being our shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Not a shepherd, the shepherd. He's not one shepherd among many. He may not be the shepherd you choose to trust. Instead, he is the good shepherd. Nobody before him, nobody after him, nobody besides him. He is the shepherd. And his commitment to his own is like the commitment of an earthly shepherd. If I have described the sheep, now let me tell you a little bit about the shepherd. The shepherd is a protector. He is constantly on the lookout for things that threaten his sheep. He watches for predators, for dangers, for temptations that might draw the flock astray. And when he discovers a danger, then the shepherd goes into action. He aggressively protects his sheep. He does whatever it takes to take care of his own. Occasionally there might even be a lamb who is determined to stray. And you know what the shepherd would do? He would be forced to take that lamb and he would break his leg. So that he could not endanger himself. And then the shepherd would take that lamb and every day put the lamb across his shoulders. And every day carry that lamb who was now crippled to take care of himself until that leg healed. And then he would put him back down because at that point the lamb had learned, I can trust my shepherd. And sometimes the same thing is true of the Lord is our protector. He takes care of us. He intervenes. And yes, sometimes the Lord may have to step into your life and he may have to hurt you in order to heal you. He may allow you to go through painful situations. But when he does, it is to protect his own. You belong to him. In the same way, Christ is our protector. He keeps us from the attacks of the enemy. He intervenes to deliver us. He makes us his own. Not only is the shepherd a protector, the shepherd is a provider. He knows his sheep need rich nourishment in order to survive. They need clean water in order to thrive. And so he goes before the flock and he scouts out the food and water and he prepares a situation where they can flourish. He is committed to their well-being. And in the same way, Jesus provides for our own. He fills our spiritual hunger through his Holy Spirit and his word. He feeds us just where we need to be fed. 
He gives us guidance by calling us to walk with him through all the moments of life. He meets our needs by providing for us according to his wisdom. And the shepherd is a redeemer. That was the greatest promise to every member of the flock. The shepherd made this commitment to those who were his own. No matter what trouble they got themselves into, the shepherd would never turn away. Even when a sheep went astray, he would not desert his own. The shepherd would actively seek them out, rescue them from harm, restore them to the flock. And the Bible tells us that our shepherd, Jesus Christ, is the redeemer. He leaves the 90 and 9 to seek the one who has gone astray. He seeks, uh, searches us out when our rebellion and our own stupidity have drawn us far from him. When we are doomed because we've lost sight of the shepherd, he does not desert his own. Rather, he seeks you out, he finds you, he redeems you, he brings you home. Even if the price of redemption led straight to the cross. Jesus Christ is the shepherd because he is the one who paid the price to bring you back to the Father. And finally, there's the greatest reality of all. Nothing matters more than for you to be able to say, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. King David couldn't say the Lord is everybody's shepherd. He couldn't even say the Lord is our shepherd. All he could say is the Lord is my shepherd. And nothing's changed since then. Each one of us is responsible for ourselves. There is a shepherd. He wants to redeem every sin, rescue every soul, bring every person home safe to heaven. But every person has to make a choice. Will I make the decision to allow Jesus Christ to be my Savior, my shepherd, my Lord? Psalm 23 reminds us of something really important. And it is God wants to protect you. He wants to care for you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to bring you through the shadows and restore you to the Father's house. But that can't happen unless you make that decision about Christ and Christ alone. He will be my shepherd. I'll trust him and no one else. I'll depend upon him to do what only he can do. I will trust Jesus Christ to be my redeemer. I will follow him as my Lord. And I guess the question this morning is, have you done that in your own life? Are you able to say today, the Lord is my shepherd because I've trusted him? Because I remember that day when I asked him, to forgive me of my sins. I ask him to come into my heart. I ask him to be my Lord. And today I choose to follow him. 
Maybe that's the decision you need to make today. You need to make the decision to choose to follow Jesus. To trust him as your savior. To follow him as your Lord. If so, in just a minute, we're going to stand and sing an invitation hymn. And I'll be here at the front. Dr. Hutchins will be here. And we would love to introduce you to the savior, Jesus Christ. The shepherd of your soul. Or maybe you're here and you're recognizing, you know, God wants me to be part of First Baptist Church. I need to be a member of this place. Because this is the flock where God has led me. And this is the place where I want to serve him. And this is where I'm going to worship him and grow in him. And I want to plant myself in this place. And you might need to come and simply say, today's the day I join the church. Or maybe there's another decision you need to make. We're going to stand. We're going to sing our invitation hymn. As God speaks to you, you come. Let's stand together. It's been a good day in God's house today. I'm glad we got to be here together. Look forward to seeing you tonight. Tonight, as we are moving into Romans chapter 5, we're going to look at one of your favorite subjects that you really need to know more about. Tribulation. I can't wait for us to learn how we endure tribulation. And after we've tribulated for a little while, we're going to have our second Sunday snack supper, which is always a great treat. We've had a wonderful time. So you be here at 5 o'clock, and we'll enjoy some time growing in the book of Romans and then sharing together in our snack supper time. It's been good to be with you this morning in God's house. Let's uh, close with a final prayer and then one last song as we leave. Father, we do thank you that you're our shepherd, our savior, our guide, our protector, our deliverer, our strength. Lord, as we walk through this psalm together, we just want to pray that as your sheep who trust you, we will grow in realizing just how much you can depend upon the Lord in every situation of life. And Lord, we trust you and we depend on you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Then sings my soul